Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. So, Trina, Thanksgiving's coming up. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a weird one this year, I think. You got um, uh, a lot yeah. of family or not much family? With no, the uh, it's half and half. We're going over to my sister-in-law's and we'll see the, my mother and father-in-law. Um, she recently had hip replacement surgery, so I don't foresee they stay very long. But we'll see that side. My parents, they're in town. They live in town, but they have self-quarantined themselves. So we won't see them at all. Gotcha. Well, yeah. we're pretty excited. Our daughter just got Yeah, engaged. I saw that. Yeah. Miss Caitlin got ma- getting so married. This we're awesome. pretty pumped up about that. Her and Nathan will come over and yeah. it's I think it's just going to be the four of us yeah. this year for Thanksgiving. Speaking of friends and family, yeah. we've got a couple great ones on the show today. We'll introduce them. Mr. Johnny Horton down in Longview, Texas, and Mr. Chip Carpenter up in the great state of Ohio, up there just north of Columbus, Ohio. And if you would, guys, uh, we want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for being on the sale ring with us. We've got a great topic today, and we're going to get into that topic in a minute. But before we start, would you mind introducing yourselves, Mr. Johnny? Would you kind of tell everybody where you're from and and a little bit about yourself? Hey, Sean, thanks for having me today. I'm looking forward to doing this with you. I am Johnny Horton. We own the United Country office in Longview, Texas, East Texas, East of Dallas, a couple of hours. Been here five and a half years. We've been yeah. with United Country two and a half years, and we focus on real estate auctions. We do traditional real estate as well, but we really put a lot of time and effort into trying to develop our real estate auction business. Been very successful with it in East Texas. We're having a blast and look forward to discussing that with you guys today. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Johnny. Chip, the same for you. If you'd let the listeners know who you are and where you're from, we'd appreciate it. Well, Sean, thanks for inviting me on this morning. I am Chip Carpenter. I have the United Country office. I'm just north of Columbus, Ohio, in a little farming community called Croton. We're about 30 minutes from Columbus, so we do do a fair amount of business between and Franklin, Delaware, Licking, Knox Counties immediately close right here. And then we have salesmen in three other parts of the state that work out there. We've got a full service brokerage. We do real estate auctions, live auctions, online auctions, as well as traditional list and sell of real estate. Outstanding. Well, guys, both of you are seasoned professionals in the auction business. And that is at the root of why we wanted to have you on this show today. I'm going to say one of the more controversial topics that we've had on the Sale Ring podcast show, we're going to talk a little bit about allowing agents and brokers to come into the auction arena with their clients and participate as a buyer's broker, as buyer's representation. And that's a hot button for a lot of auctioneers across the country. Believe it or not, there's still a tremendous amount of auctioneers out there that will not offer that service. They don't have compensation or a program for the buyers to be represented in the auction. Some auctioneers deem that, well, if a buyer wants representation bad enough, I'm fine with that. 
they need to pay for it. It's not coming out of my commission. Let's face it, that's what this is really about, is it's not as much about the representation in the auction as it is about the commission. Mm -hmm. Anytime you start tapping into that commission and splitting it up, that's uh, immediately becomes a hot button in the auction business, right? So we've got a couple of seasoned veterans on the show today, and we're going to dive into this. Johnny, Chip, we're going to give you guys the floor here a little bit. And Trina and I's job is we're going to kind of keep this conversation going with a few things that I think we have a good outline, a good show outline today to kind of lead this in a direction where we can work from top to bottom and it, it makes a lot of sense to people. So first and foremost, let's dissect the difference in real estate operations from urban America to non-urban America. And that includes the auction business, urban auctioneers downtown in Columbus, Ohio, in Dallas, Texas, here in Kansas City versus non-urban. When you get back out into the rural communities out there, what are some of the differences that you see, Johnny or, or Chip? Either one of you go ahead and take the lead. Well, in our part of the country, I mean, we're a small city of 80,000 people. Our market area is rather large for that size of city. It's about... 400,000 in our market area, but it's still considered rural. You know, I've done some auctions in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it's a different animal over there, a lot different. Uh, I personally feel like we get better participation in the rural areas than we do in the metropolitan areas. So as far as concerning, you know, broker participation, probably get more inquiries about that in the metropolitan areas than we do in the rural areas. Yeah. Chip, what are your thoughts about the variances between urban America, rural America, specific to interaction with brokers and agents and the auction business as it normally, you know, would, would transact in each one of those markets? You know, we're just north of Columbus. We're uh, basically a bedroom community to Columbus. Lion's share of the people that live in Delaware County or the edge of Licking County, they work in Columbus. So the closer you are to that, you do get way more phone calls for buyer broker participation. You get out, out of right there and you start out a little bit further and you get out in the more rural areas. You will get a call now and again for broker participation. But generally speaking, you can roll the dice and offer it. You're probably not going to have to co-op it because most of the people that are educated and are willing to buy it, they don't want anybody to know them. They walk in there the day of the sale, they raise their hand, they buy the property, they get back in their truck and they go home. So we get a lot more pressure in the metropolitan area than you will out. We do offer participation on all of our sales uh, out of our office here. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Ring Podcast Show. You know, one of the things that I, I think it warrants kind of being brought out in this portion of the conversation is people have a tendency to kind of respond, you know, a, a little bit like sheep. They're trained, you know, they're conditioned out there to perform in that industry relevant to what they have been introduced to. So in urban markets, especially if you're in a multi-list scenario, the MLS, the entire platform of, of an MLS is built on participation. 
of a company that lists property and possibly more often than not, another company as a different company that would sell that property. And then there's a brokerage split of the commission between the listing side and the selling side, correct? So for them to kind of translate that into the auction business is that has been their experience and their day-to-day activities. So when they approach the auction, they say, well, it's property for sale. If they listed it, I should have the right to sell it. And I want half the commission because that's what they've been introduced to in urban America. First and foremost, that is the kind of the normal visceral response of the realtor in most of these urban communities. When you move outside of those urban markets and you move into rural America, I think it's fair to say to Chip's point, those calls are less frequent because most of those realtors or agents are, there's two things. One, they're familiar. They're familiar with auctions because they're in rural America, they're in their community. And they also have not been introduced at a daily level to that exchange that happens in those multi-list scenarios. They may not belong to a multi-list and it, it just operates differently in rural America. So I can see where the calls, the amount of calls would be less. But in your experience out there, you know, one of the things we should always keep in mind is what's going to give us the best bang for the buck for the client. Mm -hmm. That part, I think, gets lost, guys. And in the auction business, auctioneers have a tendency to take ownership of that auction and say, this is my auction. I've set everything up. That is the quickest way to get into liability because it's not your auction. It's that seller's auction. So you've now taken control of somebody else's event. Instead of becoming a service provider, you're now making decisions for that person that they may not be aware that you're making on their behalf. I've talked to Mike Branley about that before, which is well-known in the auction industry. But I'd like to have you guys' take on that. So you're, you're working for the seller. Is the seller aware, in most instances, whether you are or are not allowing buyer's broker participation in your auctions? And what do you think would be the normal course of action across most auctioneers in rural America? This is Johnny. I'll go ahead and give my thoughts on that. Our sellers are aware that we are offering uh, buyer broker participation. It's in the auction agreement. I think it's, you made a comment about the uh, a lot of auctioneers not wanting to allow that. And is that actually keeping your client's best interest at heart? As I'm paraphrasing, can't remember your exact words, but yeah. as an auctioneer, you're not really bound by a code of ethics per se as we are as a real estate broker. The National Association of Realtors has a code of ethics and standards of practice And it's very clear. Article one describes the relationship between a real estate agent or broker and the client. And it is our job to keep the client's best interest at heart. And I think if you don't offer that participation, I question whether you're, you know, in all cases, is that keeping the client's best interest at heart? Yeah, I agree with those comments. And Chip, any follow up on that? Yeah, I mean, I have right in my listing agreement what I'm going to pay as far as a broker participation. Mm -hmm. And it says right in there, I run a two-tier participation. I'll pay 2% if they register them 48 hours prior to the auction. If they uh, register them less than 48 hours, I only pay 1%. Uh, I put it right in the MLS to all of the agents. You know, we have 
8,400 real estate agents in the Columbus MLS. So, you know, every third person you bump into has got a real estate license. Yeah. So I just put it out there that way. I put it in the terms and conditions of the sale. That way, A, my seller knows what I'm doing and they are aware of how I'm paying. And with electronics anymore, they email those in. They're all timestamped. So, you know, when they came in and the last, I just sold a piece 45 days ago at auction and uh, the broker that I participated with showed up the morning of the sale and registered his client. And I said, I'm only paying one point. And he cried and said, pay me two. And I said, no, <laughs> his buyer speaks Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. So I gave him an extra half because he could speak Spanish just get the deal done. I want the best interest of my client first. And that's the way I look at it. Could I make another comment? Yeah, please. We're talking about broker participation. Interestingly, and we haven't been in business as long as Chip has. And Chip, I'm not saying you're older than I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably the other way, I'm pretty sure. But we've been doing auctions, real estate auctions for uh, about eight years now. And uh, my daughter, Amy, helps. She works in the auction world as well, too. And, and she and I were going through some things the other day. And when after you called and said you wanted to talk about this topic, we look back. And honestly, we have only had one auction. We've had other auctions where other bidders have been represented by brokers. But we've only had one auction where a represented buyer bought a piece of property and actually that broker was the buyer as well. So we did pay him a referral on that. You know, I I think a big thing in the real estate industry as a whole is is realtors don't understand the auction world. They don't understand real estate auctions. And we make a concerted effort here in trying to speak to every realtor group we can. We call other brokerages, say, hey, can we come speak at your lunch and learn or, you know, your monthly meeting? And Give your agents a little bit of information on the auction process in real estate, how it works, and that sort of thing. Uh, trying to educate them. We, we'd be happy for them to participate, but like Chip, we're not going to pay them. We, we've kind of implemented a, a program, and Sean, you, you you know this. You're the one that, that sent me your suggestions on, on what you were doing, and we've adapted some of those in limiting the amount that we were paying 2% brokerage fee, a a broker participation fee, we were not allowing anyone to register anyone after or during the final 48 hours of the auction. They had to be registered prior to that. But we've also adapted a system where we pay, uh, you know, so much based on the initial bid that that buyer makes. So in other words, we would like for that broker to have to hustle a little bit and get their bidder to put in a significant offer on the property and we'll pay a higher percentage on that first initial offer than we will on the uh, remainder of the auction if they are the high bidder. Huh, that's interesting. So you both offer tiered programs, it sounds like, for your bidder, for your potential buyer brokers to come in. We'll explore that a little bit. We're going to take a really quick break, guys, and... When we come back, we'll explore that a little further. 
Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out auctiontime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at auctiontime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. Auctiontime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. So during the break, we were talking a little bit about the strengths and the weaknesses with offering buyer's broker participation as viewed from the auctioneer's standpoint. Yeah. Not necessarily from the broker or agent standpoint, but what are the strengths and weaknesses for the client? Yeah, I mean, hearing you guys talk about it, I don't see any weaknesses in this conversation so far. I mean, so what are the pitfalls to offering a buyer broker? I'll jump in first this time. The biggest thing is, is you've got to educate them first Mm -hmm. so that they have some idea as to what they need to do so that they can get their client in a position to participate in the auction. It seems like we spend a fair amount of time educating the brokers that call us and ask if they can participate in the auction. Then we try and get them educated and say, you know, you need to do your due diligence for your client. And, you know, if they call me, I don't want to talk to them. I'm going to refer them back to you. Yeah. So with all that being said, that's one of the nice parts. And, And the other part that, you know, comes to mind on all of this, and I don't know if this is a place to throw it in but with all the agency law out there right now that's the other reason that sometimes uh, if you can offer that broker participation because when they're signing the disclosure they're signing it as an unrepresented person if they stand there and buy it so you know you want to think hard and let them understand so the agency law is the other part is the other reason that I don't mind offering it if they don't want to do it that's fine they can step up and sign the contract as a big person but you know, the agency law is one of the things that I kind of keep my eyes on as well. And just for clarity, when when you say as a big person, they can buy the property unrepresented or you'll offer services as a transaction broker, which basically just guides them to complete the transaction, but you're not providing client level services to them. Your client level services are still to the seller. If you're representing the seller, 
you're a transaction broker for them just to to say, here's the documents you sign, here's when the closing is. And that's about the extent of the guidance they get, right? Yeah, that's all the guidance that I give them is, you know, I hand them the paperwork and here's everywhere you need to sign. I hope you had took the time to review all of it was uh, on our website or posted at the sales site. You're more than welcome to read it, but sign on the last line because we don't offer them any further guidance than that. And we make it very clear in the opening remarks that we are here representing the seller and the seller's interests first and foremost. Great comments. And Johnny, I want to hear from you, but I want to shed some light on something that Chip said early on. If they call and they have questions and they're being represented by an agent, Chip had mentioned, I don't really want to talk to them. I'll talk to their agent. I'll deliver information to their agent. But you need to route your questions through your representative. That's why they're they're earning part of the commission that we have negotiated in this auction sale. I just went through that. I just went through that in the last week with an agent here on a property that we're selling at auction. The client called three, four times. What about this? What about this? You know, and it's questions. And I said, hold on. I said, you have a buyer's agent that's representing you right now. And to this point, they've done absolutely nothing in this transaction. But they're going to get paid at the end of the day what they get paid for. Yeah, they're getting part of the commission that I went out and negotiated in this sale. You know, it's it's not just, oh, you got this auction, you know, and we want to carve the commission up. What they fail to remember is we may have just spent $15,000 on a mailing that went out the door to procure that auction. We're spending a lot of money to, you know, cost. It takes money to make money in this business. So we've listed it. We have the commission. We're even going as far as offering a portion of that commission. But at a bare minimum, you got to expect these agents to step up and do something. Yeah. The broker and the agent has to do something. So I had them write all their questions down and deliver them to their agent. I said, route everything through your agent. Don't call me directly. Mm-hmm. You got to call your agent. Make the agent get involved in this transaction. Well, can I can I be out there at two o'clock, you know, on Wednesday to see the problem? Talk to your agent. Have him set that up. Just like he'd go and open a door on a house for you. Yeah. We got to get the gate unlocked. He'll he'll coordinate all that. The agent's getting frustrated because he's not used to getting asked to do things in the performa of this auction and auction, he's getting frustrated. He goes, well, why can't you just answer his questions? And I said, I'd be glad to, if you want to step out of the picture. Yeah. But if you're getting part of the commission, you got to stay hooked up and do your job. Johnny, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think that's exactly right. I think that's a part of the problem again with most real estate agents, not understanding the auction process, how it works, you know, just getting them to read the terms and conditions and understand that's difficult enough. But they basically want to show up and collect a check. I mean, in the auction process, they don't even write the contract. We're going to write the contract as soon as the auction is over. We want to keep control of that, of all of the paperwork in the auction. And uh, so if that buyer's broker is not at least doing due diligence, as Chip said earlier, for their client and making sure their client is informed about the process, then, you know, how do they believe that they deserve a part of the commission. I, you know, the big thing, and you, and you mentioned it, Sean, but we spend a lot of money marketing auctions. Most traditional real estate agents don't understand marketing the way we do marketing to get people to an auction. And the chances are that our marketing is going to hit that buyer. So whose buyer is that? 
you know, again, I want to keep the client's best interest at heart. If a broker shows up with that client, you know, I owe them, I believe, the the respect to explain to them how this how the the process works. But uh, I uh, that may very well be my client, and I may be the cause, or our marketing may be the cause of them showing up. And that's it's always a question I have in the back of my mind. I think it's short sighted to want to create exclusion from the auction. I think it is a fair and impartial transaction when you set reasonable expectations and say, if you bring a buyer, if you come into this transaction and want to participate, here's a minimum level of service that you've got to provide to them. We got to articulate that. The Sale Ring, online at www.thesalering.com. We're talking a little bit about weaknesses right now. We started off, you know, the what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses with offering uh, or allowing buyers broker participation? And we've started with weaknesses. The first one, the first bullet that I had put up here was it deflates the commission because that's really what it's all about. It comes down to two things. I, I will retract that. It actually comes down to two things. Giving up portions of the commission that are getting harder and harder to get. There's a lot of compression in the industry out there for commissions. Also, not setting up circumstances where somebody can screw up an auction event because to Chip's point of of the training, you know, and, and taking time to educate that agent and their client, they don't have a lot of knowledge about what this transaction is. We'll go back to those earlier comments about um, when you get into repetition in an MLS and it's like, well, you got to have this form, this form, you set up your showing, you go show five properties or seven properties. They're going to make an offer on one of these or on two of them. And so you're going through that process. It's it's kind of systematic and it gets ingrained into it. It becomes a routine. Mm-hmm. There's nothing routine about the auction business. Everyone's unique. Everyone has different circumstances. Everyone may have a little bit of different elements or characteristics in the terms and conditions that are written that people need to conform to. They need to be fairly agile in the auction business. So I want to point out that, you know, the commission's always a factor. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the show because we can actually leverage that to maybe strengthen commission, to bring that back in as an opportunity for the seller. It creates an opportunity for brokers and agents to register the same buyers that the company's marketing to. Therein lies part of the problem. If the seller and or the auction company, depending on how that marketing was allocated, has spent $6,000, $8,000, whatever the marketing budget was, and they're hammering that local landowner market, the one thing in the equation that you don't need help with is registering the neighbor across the fence or just down the road because he's already received three different pieces of mail and probably is getting a personal phone call. Those people are well, they're well informed about the auction. So, I mean, how do you deter that action? Do you just write that like a mileage into your buyer broker registration agreement? You just say, okay, nobody within 10 miles of this property or however many miles that you've, you think you've hit on your marketing. It's a great question. Chip. Well, sit here and and listen to it. The uh, reality of it is, is I can sit here and think of three local farmers that farm. If there's farm ground for sale, they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. All three of them are heavily influenced by a broker. They have a broker that they go through on every transaction. Mm-hmm. Even if you hand them the flyer yourself, I can assure you when they show up at the sale, 
they will be represented by, even if the property is adjoining, across the street, whatever. So you know but that broker has cultivated that relationship with those farmers to do that. So if you go and you start putting in mileage exclusions or across the street or across the fence that you're not going to allow. You've now excluded that, that broker from most of your options, essentially, is what you're saying. And you're excluding the, that buyer yeah. in some form yeah. or fashion. So have you done right by your client by doing that? by not offering that, that compensation. I still say that you offer the compensation, you roll the dice, just like you're on the crabs table, because chances are you are not gonna, we co-op a lot less than we all get the commission for ourselves for. And it's just an, it's an easier argument just to say, it's out there, do your job and we'll pay you. And if they do it, great. But reality of it is, is we don't co-op near as many, like Johnny said, he's done one, Yeah. you know, and I can tell you, I've been selling real estate at auction since the early nineties and I've fought it every which way, every hurdle. I've tried to make them register on a full form and do a whole bunch of stuff. And it's like the easiest thing to do, send me an agency disclosure, bring your client to the sale. Uh, my biggest complaint is they say, well, do I have to really be at the auction? I'm like, well, who's going to represent your client if you're not at the auction? <laughs> so at what point, how do you want me to pay you? Yeah. Well, how do I have to be at the closing to get my check or will you bring it to my house? Yeah, exactly. So I'll slide the real estate contract across to the buyer broker if they're represented and say, here's the contract. You need to get your buyer to sign it mm-hmm. and, you know, make the deposit check out or the um, down payment check out to my brokerage and I'll, I'll slide across the table and tell them to fill out the paperwork. I'll put in all the important stuff. I'll just tell them to get it signed. Yeah. Chip, you mentioned something about the, you know, offering that incentive, if you will, that, that buyer's broker incentive. And I believe that there's maybe an opportunity embedded into, you know, hypothetically, you know, 1%, 2%, whatever's being offered on the table there may be an upsell opportunity. So I'll tell you what, we're going to slip away. We'll hear from our sponsors. We'll come back in just a few minutes and talk more about how we can strengthen the commission by allowing buyers broker participation. We'll be back in just a few. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. 
Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out auctiontime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at auctiontime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. Auctiontime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. So while we were on break, we were talking about the compression of the commissions a little bit and maybe a way to offer or to leverage the buyer's broker fee, that buyer's broker incentive out there in the commission as a strategy to strengthen the commission. Because historically, it's always been, well, if I'm getting paid this, I have to give up one point or two points or three points to another agent. And I'm already getting beat to death on commission. I don't want to give that money up. What if you had a conversation, guys, that anchored the commission and the negotiations at this is our fee. This is what we agree to work for. And then you pull out of your pocket, say, we think it's a good idea if you offer buyer's broker participation. I'll give you some quick stats right now that would warrant that. Missouri has 42,000 licensees in it. I looked up a couple stats before the show. Arizona has 43,000 licensees. Get this, they have an agent, a licensed real estate agent for every 153 people in the state of Arizona. Hmm. Uh-huh. So every one of those realtors, 42,000 of them, if you're operating in Missouri, and you can look the numbers up for Ohio, for Oklahoma, for Texas, go to the Real Estate Commission, look at the number of licensees, put that into your repertoire and say, listen, there's 42,000 of these people out there right now. At any given time, they can have somebody by the hand. In the middle of a 1031 exchange, they all have a sphere of influence. They all have a client base. That's the business that they're in. They may know somebody outside of this area that's willing to buy this property. Put something on the table for them. Mm -hmm. Hypothetical numbers. Let's say you end up working for a 5% commission and you think 2% would be enough to entice a broker out there. Have them offer that additional 2% instead of taking it out of the 5 Have the client decide, the seller decide whether they want to step up for that additional fee. Johnny, what's your thoughts about that? And then we'll get to Chip. Well, I think it's an outstanding approach. It's not something that I've done from an auction side. We do it from a traditional real estate side all the time. That's one of the things I really work hard with our agents is is teaching them to sell value. I came from a beef cattle consulting business for 26 years. And we were actually one of the most expensive consulting groups in the United States, but we were also one of the largest in the United States. And it was because we knew how to sell value. And I think that's very important. If you can sell that client on the fact that, you know, if he wants other brokers to participate, there's value in that if you want to do that. But if you choose not to, then that's your choice as well. So, yeah, I think it's a great approach. Chip, what are your thoughts about that, turning it into basically another service that your company provides? If they want to allow buyer's broker participation, here's the fee for that. I um, I guess I really haven't ever thought about it, never approached it. You know, we try and go in and get a six and or seven percent commission. 
on our auction stuff, but we've never really talked about the value add of the the buyer brokers. You know, uh, pitching a deal right now that you know old school attorney for an estate and he does not like the buyer's premium. Hmm. I'm pitching against a guy that has a buyer's premium. So with some of those old school attorneys that we've worked with for the last 20 years, they just like you to lay it out, make it very clear. Here's the commission. This is what we're going to pay as a buyer broker and keep moving forward. So I've really never tried to, to do it the other way. I wouldn't see why it wouldn't work, though. Let me throw something out at you because you just you stimulated some thought right there. The seller with that attorney doesn't like the buyer's broker fee as a whole. The seller's paying the commission. What if the buyer has to pay a buyer's premium if they're represented in the transaction? What if there's 2% buyer's broker fee for anybody that requires representation? So they're paying their own brokerage fee. Listen, guys, I, I don't know that we have all the answers on this show. Uh, the world continues to turn even after we shut this podcast off today. It, it, we're going to continue to innovate and we're going to continue yeah. to do things different. But what are your thoughts about that? Maybe it's a different strategy and say, I agree. Seller commission, 6%, 7%, whatever you're, you're, you're charging. But if the buyer wants representation, can they pay a 2% buyer's broker fee? That way you're not forcing the buyer's broker fee on them, and chances are nobody will ever pay that in that transaction. I think that might be a a, a pretty good approach. You're not having to upsell that to the... Uh, to the seller at all, uh, yeah. To the seller in the deal. You're letting the buyer, you know, hey, I know your marketing brought me to this deal, but like Chip said, he's got those three farmers. They all use the same broker. They're going to use him no matter what. That's fine. Use your broker, but here's how we're going to get him paid. You're going to pay a 2% buyer's premium, either on top of the the existing buyer's premium, or uh, if you're paying a commission or or collecting a commission from the seller, then add a buyer's premium for that buyer. I like that. Or it's worth considering, I'd say. Chip, any second thoughts? Oh, I mean, I... Yeah, because we all know as as the auctioneers and the brokers on this, we're doing 98% of the work mm-hmm. and the 2% that we're not doing, the buyer broker's getting paid for, for his 2% of the effort in doing this because we've got a, all of the documents are prepared. Everything is laying there in front of them. All they got to do is stand there and clap for their client when the sale's over if they're successful. So that certainly is something worth thinking about, talking about, and talking to some of the, you know, some of these sellers and say, you know, hey, this is what we're going to work for. If a person brings somebody to the sale and it's 2% more, if you're selling, you know, the pitfalls that I see is if you're selling a property with owner confirmation and you're not quite there and you've got to negotiate and then that. 2% could be in that negotiation where it comes off the table and you still get spun around and you got to eat some some portion of the commission to pay the buyer broker to get the deal put together. So that's always the hardest part on the, uh, with the buyer broker fee is, you know, if you're close and you got to negotiate a deal, first place they say, I'll pay what they want for, but I don't want to pay the 10. And that's where it gets a little dicey. And, And that's where I see, 
with that 2% there. If you're close, you might still get spun around and have to eat some of that commission. So there's a lot of good ideas. Like you said, we're never going to solve all of these problems. It's always going to be an open dialogue and there's always going to be another way to skin the bear on this. Well, I don't think that there's a way to circumvent. If you fall just a little bit short in the auction of the expectation, uh, you're getting a $50,000 commission and you're $10,000 from keeping it sold. A savvy auctioneer is going to figure, he's not just going to volunteer his commission right up front, but 40000 looks better than no 1000 So yeah. if I have to give up 10000 to put this deal to bed, to put it together, that's not out of question. I don't know that we're ever going to solve that riddle where that completely goes away. You know, and that's a different topic for a different day because then you get into, well, did you list it? Was it a reserve auction? Did you have a firm reserve price in it? Was that obtainable? Maybe it's coming in under the reserve price and they're they're giving a concession, but they're saying we're just, you know, we're $30,000 below the reserve. We're, you know, we'll eat 20 of that, but we need to get this price up 10000 bucks. Well, then they're, they're trying to work with you. So... You know, we're kind of on the downhill slide here. We've got uh, about three minutes, a little less than three minutes left. So let me tell you a couple of thoughts that I had. A couple of things about getting the buyer's broker to work on the project and, and to earn a commission. They're doing something. One, have a registration process for that buyer's broker. They have a form they have to fill out. I think most auctioneers do that, but if you're going to offer it, have something formalized that sets the kind of the terms and conditions of buyer broker registration, what they have to do to earn that. They also need to attend the showings, you know, attend the auction. If it's a live auction, they need to be attentive to their clients' needs. Any data, put them into control of allocating any data. Even if you hold it as the auctioneer, I will give that to the buyer's agent to be disseminated to their client. But put them in the loop. You know, they need to be responsible. If not, you're out here doing all of their work for them and they're just innocuous. And, yeah, they're just yeah. sitting back and taking the payment at the end. Yeah. They're just completely innocuous in this, in this entire transaction. They're doing nothing. Yeah. Here's a strength, though. I think it's advantageous for your seller. I do think that it helps build working relationships in that broker and agent community. Keep in mind, 96, 97 plus percent of the real estate in this country is not sold at auction. It's listed and sold traditionally. The, the brokers and the agents are have their hands on a lot of potential auctions out there if they understand them, if we've done a good job of training them, and we've built a working relationship with them. So, guys, any last minute thoughts on the way out the door here that you would like to kind of mention? One quick comment, Sean. We work a lot with other brokers, and I think it's important. You just made the comment, you know, building a relationship with those brokers. It may bring you some more business. And I know we just sold a house last week, $260,000. That was a referral from another brokerage here in town. They've been very friendly toward us and having us sell properties for them. So I think that's another reason to try to work with these brokers the best we can. Very good. Chip, any final thoughts? I, I agree completely with what Johnny just said as far as, you know, try and get them educated. They don't understand what we do. Once they learn it, they're intrigued by it. And a lot of times they will call back and say, you know, will you come and do this property and either refer it out or take you along as a, as a co-listing agent on it so that you can earn your commission. 
So you can build some rapport and, and I've done that with several brokerages here myself in Ohio and, and, and it works good. So that's part of it. Very good. Well, on behalf of Trina and I, we can't thank yes. you guys enough for being on the yeah. show today. And we'll put uh, in our show notes, we'll put how to get a hold of Johnny and Chip um, for any of the listeners out there that would like to speak more with them about either their views or if they have, you know, a listing or or some potential business. Just need some insight from a couple of seasoned (laughs) veteran auctioneers. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode. We look forward to seeing you again inside the sale ring. This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. That's www.thesalering.com.